Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tiny DevOps Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hall. Today, we're talking about observability and some stories from the field about implementing observability. I'm excited to have Paul Cotonet. Uh, welcome. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do professionally, and then we'll we'll start. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the, the the last name is French. In case you're wondering, like probably no doubt after the after hearing me talk. Uh, but I've lived in the U.S. for the past 14 years. Uh, I'm currently a staff software engineer at a company called Patch in the climate tech uh, space. Before that, I had been a founder for seven years at a company called Batkudu. And yeah, that's that, that's about it. <laughs> Very cool. So I reached out on uh, on the Rand's leadership Slack uh, for people who had experience with uh, doing observability on in small companies, and, and you responded. And you said you've done this at, at two different companies. Um, how do you want to tackle this? Do you want to talk about the chronologically the first one uh, first, or do you is that the best way to go? Yeah, I can probably tell you a little bit more about yeah the the, the context or the. You know, and for context for everyone, so I was, yeah, I started my own company around 2014. So it was like uh, two co-founders and myself, and I was the main like technical co-founders. But the fun fact about it is uh, I learned how to code kind of on the spot and I learned like DevOps. So I was a product manager before, so I was not completely out of the, the field, but I had not done uh, any DevOps uh, of any kind by myself before. And in fact, the... The first company I worked at was a PM, you know, started 2011 and it was still all on premise. So it was first, you know, first experience coding, first experience DevOps, first experience cloud uh, at all whatsoever. So I essentially like figured figured things out on my own for like a couple of years uh, before I was even able to, you know, hire a couple of people to help me. And in that current job, it's more like, okay, now I've like, I've had like seven years experience doing this. It was more, a little bit more, okay, what have I learned and set it, you know, set it up, set it up, set it up, like for, you know, best practices got a lot faster the second time around, I have to say. <laughs> Good. That, that, that's, that's great. So we can uh, learn hopefully from, from your experience there. Um, well, let, let's start with the first one then. Uh, what, what kind of company was it? What were you selling or doing? Um, yeah. 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 So uh, it's actually the, the company is still running. Uh, so I okay. hope I don't say anything uh, anything stupid. Uh, <laughs> you know, still, still, still very good friends with the folks there. So you know, mm -hmm. whatever. but we were doing we we're doing essentially machine learning for sales. So it is uh, analyzing a bunch of marketing data, uh, event analytics. Uh, connecting to Salesforce, essentially replicating all of that inside our own data warehouse and then running machine learning algorithms on top of it. So something that was quite data engineering heavy, uh, you know, probably be called AI uh, in 2022. It wasn't in 2015, uh, but, you know, relatively like, you know, uh, yeah, data heavy with a lot of processing, batches, real time uh, and all of that stuff, right? So... Um, that was kind of the, yeah, like if you want to think about the architecture at a high level, it's like ingest data from external sources, massage it into one place. And then at the, at the very end, you want to send it back into Salesforce so that, you know, so that people who use Salesforce can see, uh, can, can see the intelligence there essentially. What prompted you to start the journey into observability, uh, at this company? Why did you feel the need? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like more. You know, I started Chewy, I believe it was around like 
16, 17, like seeing a couple demos of folks like starting to talk about what they're doing with like Neuralink or Datadog and being like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. You know, yeah, I was definitely on like a full AWS stack. So I had a couple of those things and like CloudWatch metrics and, and you know, I, I have a lot of respect for a lot of what AWS does. A CloudWatch, I don't think I've heard anyone saying it's their favorite observability platform whatsoever, right? And so I think even like because of that, like you don't even know what you don't know. And, you know, it's like, oh, that's, that's all I can do. I can have those like crappy logs somewhere and metrics that I can't really, and it just never clicked. I think with that, that interface and those tools that I could create my own metrics or have a way to like really look at it or like centralize everything. And so seeing like a demo, I think at the time of like Datadog, uh, I believe it was Segment who was like showing what they were doing with it. And I was like, just like blown away. I was like, oh, that's, that's the level of, you know, that's the level of visibility I can have in my system. I should absolutely, I should absolutely try this. Right. Um, the the main driver i would say uh or the main thing that counted for us was more you know with, with those out of the box tools you get decent data if you know where to look at about you know the basic metrics right so you know you can find like if you have a memory problem or a cpu problem you, you can sort of look into it what really clicked for me at the time was actually looking into like getting into into custom metrics, right? So essentially like stats D, you know, stats D type stuff. And the, 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 the driver was because we had those, those data pipelines or a lot of, you know, a, a thing that our customers cared a lot or like we realized that our customers cared a lot. It's like, okay, I have, um, I create new lead in Salesforce and what I care about, the SLA I care about essentially is making sure that they are scored within a certain time, right? And realize that essentially it was one of those things that like if you look at all the existing tools you have, there's nothing in the out of the box, you know, uh, observability that will tell you that, right? It's a metric that's very specific to what your product is doing, but it's not like, you know, essentially latency, CPU or memory. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, how do we how do we do something that can easily measure that, you know, that S that really that SLO, like that what's been known to be called SLO, and how do we how do we keep track of it and how do we get alerted about it, right? And so it really started with like essentially having a little cron job that was measuring like the the fill what we call the fill rate, uh essentially sending it to Datadog. And then that was that was actually kind of magical because like out of out of the box we we now had a SLO and we could do like graphs and alerts and pager when something went wrong, which completely flipped the game for us. Where from you know the customer telling us first that something was wrong <laughs> to us being able to be notified way before that, right? So it was kind of like that that ability to track the really the metric we cared about rather than what came out of the box. That was a that was a game changer at the time. So you had you started with sort of you were on AWS, so just kind of whatever tools came automatically, right? Right. Basically, what you were using at first, right? Yeah, uh, and remember, I was like a one person, both developer and DevOps. So it's kind of like you know, like it's always like you know this field where you're like, oh, I, you don't even know what you don't know in terms of what what's possible, uh, what's possible to track. But what what became super interesting then after you know. I, and I guess, you know, that's the more, the more applicable 
I guess learnings for observability was really great there as like really for us was like this ability of just like tag everything, right? And you have like, for, for me, like the the big revelation there was when you can see like, oh, I can have the logs, I can have the match, the, you know, then, uh, you know, so that, that's how it started essentially with like with Stancy metrics, but then I you know, pulled a thread on what was possible in the field and you can like, I guess the marketing of those things I've come to call this like the three pillars or whatever. <laughs> uh, couldn't tell you which it's probably logs, metrics, and traces. I don't know. The marketing may have changed since I last looked at it, but it was kind of like pulling that thread and realizing that, oh, like it was kind of magical, like realizing that you could have like all those three things in one place that all like self reference each other, right? So when you can get to the point of like, uh, to take my example, like something's wrong with that customer. Okay, I can immediately figure out where, on what machine uh, was the thing happening. And then you can pull and figure out which logs were exactly on the same machine or like, tr you know, track the log to the trace. And I think that that to me was the moment that that really clicked, you know, with observability is like, oh, like compared to what I was doing before, like having like everything in one place with like cross-referencing, uh, tags and things, it just makes you so, you know, makes you so much faster to debug anything, right? Essentially, because you can really like find that, find that, that rope and just pull that thread and like really, really figure out everything, everything in one place. <laughs> so I, I think I like that the, the three pillars are fuzzy in your mind because that gives me a chance to ask a question that I can't ask everybody. And that is what is observability to you? Because you're not going to give me the, the buzzword answer. You're going to have to tell me what you actually think. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. I think like if I think about it now, I think it's both like what I think about like, you know, what immediately comes to mind is, you know, every it's like essentially like everything I need to debug something when something goes wrong is one, one aspect of it. But I'm also realizing that over the years, I'm also starting to use it like more proactively, which is kind of like, how do you, you know, how do I know everything's going right <laughs> where, you know, if nothing's firing and use that to like, you know, uh, show it across the team and across the company as like, Hey, look, I have like, I have all those latency metrics that you didn't even ask for. And I can, you know, uh, so that's actually a great question. I was like, I'm thinking in my head, it's almost like observability. It's almost like I want to measure and track things that I may need later <laughs> to look into either a problem or something good, but to really uh, like, you know, to really understand what's going on without my system. I think, you know, before I really got into that world, it was kind of like, okay, we had a problem and we'll literally have like, oh, we'll implement logging for the next time around, right? And I think like what, what's been really helpful for me is like, oh, I already have the data to look into what happened <laughs> rather than, you know, oh, maybe next time, maybe next time we'll know about it because we designed this thing, right? So I think for, I don't know if that's a good definition, but essentially like being able to know like after the fact what was going on in my system without having to like re-implement anything has been pretty key. So you started with AWS, didn't like it. Uh, you mentioned Datadog <laughs> and I think you mentioned a few others. What did you settle on at this company or, or was it a, a collection of different tools? Yeah, uh, I had started with New Relic uh, because like at the time, so again, it was like 2015, 2016, they were like the main uh, APM game in town. And it was it was a magical experience at first, like getting that APM right. Because again, like going back to that thing, I was like, oh, I wish it measured things I don't even think I will need later. You know, that's like it's like kind of you know 
especially it was a pretty basic like or basic it was a you know the main application like without all the the data stuff was a node.js express uh thing right and i remember that thing i was like oh it's like two lines of code and you get all the metrics about things that you know it would have taken you days to even think of like where to track it or how to marquee patch your application to like track some of those metrics so that, that experience was pretty magical uh I have to say that, you know, and it may have changed again, it's like 2016, like, uh, wasn't like New Relic's pricing was like really brutal when it came to like scaling that at the time. And I never really dug into like the, the user interface. So again, like a friend of mine, like then showed me what they were doing with Datadog and I was like, okay, that's cool, but they don't have the APM yet. And I think as soon as they, as soon as they launched the, the Node.js APM, I was like, oh, this will be nice because like your logging product looks great. Uh, your metrics, you know, I was the user of the metrics product. And so when they launched APM and logs, I was like, okay, like that, that is cool because I'll have everything in one place. Right. I think before that I was, I can't remember what I was using for centralized logs, but it wasn't New Relic. Uh, so I had the, the logs in one place, the APM in another, that was cool. And I was starting to dabble with metrics and i think the 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 moment where all of them like collapsed together and like in one place and datadog and in that case i was like okay this is this is exactly what i need i'm just going to get everything in one place <laughs> <laughs> so you had apm you had logs i'm assuming you had uh alerts uh when things reach certain thresholds yeah. if they, you know, if they yeah, broke yeah. whatever some, some some basic yeah some basic things it was like oh if the app stops responding like please please let me know <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and how many were at the company when you started this this journey did you say one or two uh in, in engineering i guess is what i care about um there's probably two people in engineering but really one in oh. devops and infrastructure like myself okay yeah okay any any challenges you faced while you were were doing this yeah, I mean the it's kind of interesting. Maybe I can tie it to what I'm doing. What what my 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 more recent experience there is like. I think it's like one. One challenge is honestly like it's really easy to set up like these days. Like I can say like I, I can't think like when when I had to reset a couple of things like the. I'll talk about it a little bit more, but it was kind of like one thing. One challenge with those tools is like scripting in the ui <laughs> where you end up doing a lot of things manually like monitors and stuff that are like you know you go in the interface so uh in that second go around i've tried to set up as many of those things as possible in terraform so that 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 monitoring is scripted is like infrastructure as code it's not always lives up to what you want to do. <laughs> I have to say it's like, there's a, there's actually a Datadog Terraform provider, uh, which is just pretty cool, which essentially lets you, uh, script as code, some of the monitors, some of the, I think you can do dashboards. Uh, it lets you like literally like write and, and use a uh, version control for some of this stuff. It's really cool. But one trap, I think with some of it, you know, all of those tools is really like one off, you know, you do it one off in the UI, you create an alert and then you don't know what's happening to ver to it. You don't know if it's been deleted by someone. Uh, so we, we can, we can go back over that a little bit, which I think is a challenge with some of like graphical user interface. 
Um, honestly, one challenge I faced at my current company at Patch, or it's not really a challenge, but it's like, it's getting adoption, right? I know that those tools are there. I know how to use them. And when someone starts at the company, they might not even know that you can monitor that or that you can create like a, a new monitor. Like I love creating a new monitor. Like at the time I, I release a product, right? It's almost like I had tracking. I make sure everything is there in one place. But I've realized that uh, a lot of other software engineers on the team may not even know those tools exist or they're there, right? So I have uh, most like when, when you're on board, how do I tell people about it? I'll be like, hey, have you thought about, you know, like people ask you like, oh, well, how do I check my release? And it's like, oh, like, you know, I, then I, you know, do a, do a quick phone call and show them like, oh, this is how I would like create a dashboard, like maybe measure this, maybe add a stats D metric. You know, I love doing stats D metrics when you have um, feature branches, you can see how many, you know, how many calls go into, into each branch. But I've realized that the, 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 the overall education, I think, hasn't completely reached uh, everyone in the field, right? So you still have, uh, like, some people with more developed experience know that they can use this. And maybe, like, the, the chunk of developers have even no, still no idea that those tools exist, right? So a big part of my job, I feel like, is educating and showing what, what I've been doing and what you can do. But, like, you know, it's a teaching people how to fish, like, uh, uh problem right i don't want to have to be i want to be the bottleneck on like every release it's like let me set up a serverability right but like getting that that full ownership to the rest of the team is still uh, still a little bit of a challenge how, how do you approach that challenge how, how do you teach the other developers and engineers uh what tools are there and, and the mindset to use them yeah, I wish I had. A, I wish I had a standardized. Uh, I wish I had a standardized <laughs> answer there. I think I'm. Yeah. Uh, what What I would say is, I try to be as uh, demonstrative as I can, right? So it's kind of like, hey, like when I when I release my own feature or my team releases their own feature, it's almost like every time you know you do the announcement, and like here's the dashboard that we're gonna use to like measure it and be like really demonstrative, right? You don't want. I think it's like roles. Like you don't want those tool like. You don't want those tools to be only like people with DevOps experience feel like they can use them, right? I want everyone on the team to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to release this feature. I'm not sure I'm going to see if it's working. Or the, like, I want that to be as democratic as possible, right? So I want like two things. It's like one show they exist. And then once people know them, it's like almost like, you know, someone does a release and they ask you questions like, oh, let me show you, right? So I do a lot of like on the fly, <laughs> on the fly demo and just try to, to, to say, oh, like, hey, look at like in five minutes, you can create this dashboard that will essentially show you the health of the release of your new feature. Like, so that it almost becomes a, uh, you know, it's muscle memory, right? It's like, you should, you should do this as you release, but, but it takes a little bit of time. It's definitely like a step in the onboarding. It's like giving access to everyone, maybe doing a demo. I know I have a, an old video that I probably need to re-record because it's a bit old of like, you know, onboarding video of like, you know, 25 minutes. So it's like, here's what you can do, here's what we track, here's how you use it. So probably should refresh that. But yeah, it's one of those things that I think it it takes a little bit of time and process to get right. But it, it really, like, if you get it right, it really pays off in, in, in nice ways in my, in my experience, right? <laughs> Let's move on to the second uh, company where you did this. Talk about them, and then, then we'll come back and ask some more general questions. Um, 
But yeah, tell us what were they selling? What were they like? What was their situation, and how did that go? Yeah, absolutely. So my the the next company, which is my current one, is called uh, is called Patch. We are uh, we call like the infrastructure for the sustainable economy. So we offer actually tool for the carbon removal industry. So we are trying to uh, help with uh, the the carbon dioxide removal field, uh, which is like very ambitious, very ambitious vision. Uh, in practice, I joined that uh, 10 uh, company when it was 10 people. Uh, it was essentially a, a marketplace web app to buy carbon removal and an API to the same. So a slightly less complex operationally uh, product. You know, it's a it's a Ruby on Rails monolith with a, a couple of background jobs. There's a lot of complexity in domain modeling, but not as much so far in DevOps, right? So it's kind of a you know, couple couple pods running, a uh, couple pods running uh, a Rails application, and a couple pods that run background jobs, right? So not not nowhere, nothing as complicated as the data pipelines that I had the last time around. Uh, but I also found myself in the same situation where the um, uh, I think the, the engineer that had set up that infrastructure left like two weeks after I joined. And so I had to like crash course, essentially replace and like, okay, you, you own the infrastructure now. <laughs> and so definitely my first reflex was like, okay, like, do I understand, you know, I think with all like that, you know, five years of experience, like working with observability, my first reflex was like, okay, where, where's my data, right? Where, where can I see if something goes wrong? Uh, where can I see like, uh, the, the, the elf of, uh, the elf of what's going on? And if something goes wrong, where, where do I look at, right? So, so it was definitely one of my first reflexes. Probably was in the first like one or two months. Was okay. Can I get can I get Datadog on there? And like we talked to the CEO. I had a little bit of a pitch to do because uh, initially you're like, oh, like you know, can't we get that with like AWS tooling? And I'm like, trust me, it's not as good. Uh, so I remember doing a pitch, and it was it was a pretty short it was a pretty short pitch. Uh, but I think I did that like within my first month was essentially let's get let's let's get let's get the logs in one place let's get the metrics of the the infrastructure and it was almost like a, a you know first ninety day <laughs> first ninety day task is like where are we at uh, can we get something as good as what I had before uh, there were some challenges like because there was a Kubernetes infrastructure which I was not familiar with at the time so it's also uh, I was also uh, you know. Uh, bootstrapping my own knowledge of Kubernetes at the same time. And that's always its own challenge. <laughs> I love Kubernetes, but it took a little while. Side note, I'm not sure that this company needed Kubernetes at the time. Right. I'm glad we have it now, but it was one of those things. I was like, oh, it seems a little... But that, that was actually a good... Having, having visibility into that let me understand it a lot faster, right? It's like, like as a, um, you know... I love like most most uh, most observability tools those days like will give you like a you know like some visualization of like the different servers you have and everything you have running and it's actually a really good way to like understand even what your system looks like right it's like it's a lot more visual if you can see everything on one screen so uh, that was was that the uh, like a one month so, yeah, different, very different, uh, very different experience there in the sense that I feel like the first company was like probably three years of me even understanding what I needed to have or what what I you know what existed and how to use it. So this one was like, okay, 
now I know how useful this has been for me in the past. Like it's almost like first thing I'm doing uh, is getting observability done properly. And, and then, as I mentioned, it's been a lot more about um, like showing people how to use it. And like, as we expanded the size of the team, I was like, okay, I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll do everyone know how to use those tools and can, uh, can make the most of it. So that's been, you know, it's been almost like when like, get like three years to learn everything and then a month to like replicate it the second time around, which was nice. How did the pitch go uh, when you were trying to convince the CEO that you needed something better than AWS? Because I can imagine a lot of our listeners might be in that situation. You know, like they, they know that they need something better, but how do they convince management? I mean, it was interesting as well because I was just coming in, right? So I think that the CEO initially was like, I put like a little task to discuss with him. I was like, I don't think we need this, you know, curt answer. I don't think we need this right now. Uh, like, you know, you just come in the new company. You're like, oh, crap. And, you know, you've never argued with someone. So it was for me, it was also a part of like uh, a part of um, like learning, you know, is that I realized there was a very like strong opinion weekly L scenario. So I was able to convince him pretty easily, but I could probably pull that document out. I might, you know, leave a, I might still, I might still have it somewhere. I'll see if I, you know, I'll see if I find it for like the, the reading notes. Um, but that's a great question. What did I say? I said, I think my pitch was, was around like, it just makes me a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> debugging when something goes wrong by having everything in one place uh, was kind of the was kind of the pitch. I also, if I remember well, I think I spent a lot of time, like I was familiar with the cost structure, and I think it was helpful to explain like how much it would cost, uh, and sort of like how that would scale. Which you know we can expand into that is not necessarily always easy. Like the, the pricing, you know, the pricing of all-in-one uh, observability platform tends to have a lot of uh, tentacles and a lot of variability. So, but having an idea of like, hey, this is worth like, you know, this is going to cost us like $300 a month and going to make me a lot more productive, just like knowing what's going on. I was a little bit, you know, lucky enough you know to be like there's a little bit of like pulling the muscle of like you know pulling the string of like hey trust me i've done this before <laughs> uh but i think i think that I, you know i'm joking there but i think that had some weight right it's like this is a tool i've used like for five years and it saved my life like a uh, uh, countless countless amount of time um I'm lucky enough to have a ceo that is a former software engineer that you know knows how to trust their uh, the, uh, the 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 senior people he hires, uh, which it's great to have. I, I if you don't have, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't have that, I don't know, how, you know, I don't know how, you, how to solve this. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but you know, having some visibility on the cost and benefit, you know, it's always like in the end, it's like you know, your CEO cares. It's like, is this gonna make me more money or save me money or like make my people faster? Uh, we could go into that like longer, like, uh, you know, be super interested to give on your podcast. But one thing I've tried to do at this company is to keep DevOps small. And that was, that was a little bit of an argument, right? It's like that, I, you know, like that shift left, you know, it's, it's after the fact that's not the pitch I've made, but it's almost like, you know, like we do like shift left on security, like shift left on observability. I feel like it's probably something you want to do because like, honestly, I, I didn't want to, 
we still don't have a full like DevOps or infrastructure person. Like the team is eight people uh, today. And I feel like that was the right decision. Like you don't want to, you know, like if you if you can have everyone on the team do a little bit of it and know how to do it, it probably delays when you'll bring that full-time person on. And so, you know, I, if I had to redo that argument, I'll be like, hey, it's also a way to like have everyone know what's going on rather than have those silos of like, oh, there's one infrastructure person that really knows what the hell's going on and everyone else is clueless. Uh, so it's probably a good argument there if you think about like the, the business argument to, to, to management. It's like, well, so I actually let us, you know, hire less people over time and that, you know, <laughs> can be a big argument. What would you miss the most if you couldn't use, uh, I guess we'll say Datadog. I mean, whatever tool you're using, I think it's Datadog. If you couldn't use Datadog tomorrow, if it was gone, what would you miss the most? I think it's that correlation of every tool. You know, it's the fact that I can jump from like a log to a trace to a metric with like some things like, you know, I know my way into CloudWatch. I can find something. The search is pretty horrible, right? So I would miss the I would miss the search. <laughs> I would miss the search. I'm sure you know, like uh, you, you can do a lot of things with like CloudWatch monitors and logs and things. But honestly, that that speed of being able to go through the interface, I've seen some demos of Honeycomb, which seems to be doing really well there as well. It's like like the speed of being able to jump from one thing to the other, I haven't been able to replace that in, in, with the AWS native tooling, right? You know the information is there, but uh, almost the amount of brain cognition it takes you to like to find it is just like it's just like orders of magnitude difference, right? So really, that snappiness of having everything in one place is probably what I would what I would miss the most. And, and of course, from a from a business standpoint, that's worth a lot because that's the time that your engineers are spending trying to. I mean, if, if you if you if it takes you twenty minutes to find a log or what, whatever piece of information versus twenty seconds, that's lost money, right? So, so yeah, that's that's really important. As a, as a, there was a good anecdote. Like we haven't had a lot of outages like uh, in the past in the past year, which has been really good. But I think I had a probably a speed record in debugging or like in finding out what was wrong. You know, it's like now it's like, it's almost a sixth sense where I have like a couple dashboard, couple places where I can go to debug. And I had to do one this year, which was the, uh, the evening before my wedding. We had a save, uh, save one outage. I was on vacation. I got paged anyway. And, and it took me like literally, I think eight minutes to go in, get on the phone, pull up a couple dashboards, figure out what was wrong, and then disconnect so that I could finish my speech for my wedding. So it, it literally has, you know, it has, a, you know, I was very happy to have the good tooling that night. <laughs> it sounds like Datadog needs to hire you as a spokesperson. I mean, that's, that's like the perfect story for for why you want these for their product. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if you want to say like, yeah, it's like. <laughs> There's probably some version of it that's a little less like workaholic, but <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk. You, you mentioned some uh, early on. You mentioned some of the challenges with the with the graphical user interface, and you know, if if, if the biggest selling point that you see here is um, just the ability to find stuff quickly. Right. Uh, do you see room for improvement still? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not perfect. Nothing ever is, but um, yeah. Yeah, what what are your thoughts in that area? Yeah, I think I mean when I think about it, like when I think about my own challenges right now, I think that this discoverability to people I think is like is to, to someone who's never done it, you know, it's like 
that, that's the downside. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of things you can do. Uh, it's kind of left to me as like the, the member of the team there to like teach everyone about it, right? I wish there was a way where I could like, hey, here's your login, here's a sort of onboarding experience that would tell you what's important, what matters, and how do you, you know, how do you, there's a lot of features, right? When you think about it, that is a lot to, that is like each of those platforms, I mean, CloudWatch in the first place, so there's a lot to learn. And I think that, that, that still has, still has this challenge of like being extremely powerful. But, you know, if I think about, you know, if you had shown me this like eight years ago, I would probably have run, you know, run away, like overwhelmed by the amount of options, right? So I think there's still a challenge there to find the, the right balance between, you know, someone who comes in. And also like, sometimes I like to send, uh, you know, like a product manager asked me like, hey, how do we know that who's using this feature? And yeah, you know, the challenge gets even bigger when you start bringing, if you want to start bringing, you know, quote unquote, non-technical people to it, right? I assume it's even more overwhelming <laughs> when we start with it, right? So the, this onboarding question is like, how do you deal with non-power user the same way you deal with, uh, the, the the power users I think is is a challenge uh, yeah, uh, for for these platforms at least in my opinion. <laughs> um, I, I haven't used Datadog for years, and so I'm sure they've changed drastically since I last used them. It's probably been five or six years at least since I last used them. Um, do they export like a management dashboard, like or, or or make it easy for you to show management like a here's here's our website visits or whatever, and the website's up now or it's down now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you know, it's very powerful, so you can create pretty much every dashboard, <laughs> every dashboard you want to. But I think it's still left to you to figure out what is, you know, uh, what what management should pay attention to, which makes sense, right? I think there's so much variety and like applications. It's like it's just like the late, you know, just average latency, and you have like fifty services. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> but there's I think, you know, I haven't had, I haven't used too many like other application recently as well, but I think, you know, the challenge we're facing is like, they, like those platforms have no idea, like by default, what the, what the business metric is, right? They get the latency of like every service, you know, they don't know which ones are mission critical or not. So I think like that editorial part is still, is still left up to you to like figure out, okay, like I'm going to create this high level dashboard. So you can definitely create the dashboard. It's up to you to like figure out what your, what your management might care about and what you should show them. <laughs> so what metrics do you track right now? Uh, let's start at the highest level. Like, what what would you show to your CEO or to the board of directors right now? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, these days it's like you know number of outages and like errors. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, like the it's a fairly simple, at least from the outside. It's like is the API, are the website and API up <laughs> or down, and how many you know how many fail requests do we have? I think we. We care decently about latency, right? So just looking at latency of like the main API endpoints and making sure they perform. Uh, they perform. Like the um, the thing that I've liked as well is like it's even like I'm not looking like one metric. Whenever you can do there is like look at the internal latency. Uh, what I like is that we have a synthetic test set up, right? So the API and the dashboard being tested from the outside. That's kind of my go to. Uh, my go to because like yeah. 
I've made the mistake myself in the past of like, hey, look, all my internal monitoring is working. You know, the app is responding. And then you have a, an error that's like external to it, like either, you know, I mean, or not even errors, right? Your server is in Oregon and your customers in the UK get, you know, a 250 milliseconds penalty uh, just from, you know, distance and the speed of light. And that that's not visible, right? And so showing something that's more like external with like synthetic synthetics test is like a best, better way. It's like, hey, this is how this responds to actual users. And look, like it's not me like doctoring the test. This is literally something simulating a user and this is what they see i think you know to me that's like that that's the useful thing i showed to like external stakeholders is like hey look like someone in london gets an 800 milliseconds uh response or you know uh and you know i'm not making this up this is not like a, oh it works on my machine <laughs> type scenario external you know external visibility is like is good it's like hey look this is the uptime you know we have it we have it plugged into like um an external status page. So that's, that's always super helpful as well. So that we know that, you know, like, I think the, what I would say there is like the, the word there, it's actually something like very important there. If you want to try to sell your, uh, to sell your stakeholders on observability is making sure that, you know, that you understand their point of view in terms of what matters to them might not be what matters to you. Right. You might be interesting and like, Oh, like this is how my, you know, is how the traffic is like spread between my Kubernetes pods or whatever. And they're like, well, is this up for users, right? Or is this accessible from everywhere? You don't want to have like the, you can have the same problem when, you know, with software testing, right? It's like, well, like I have 99% unit test coverage and you think still doesn't do the work, right? So I think it's important to have those different, different layers. And I think when you, when you sell it to your stakeholders, you want to make, you know, you always want to, it's like, internal internal team productivity is important but you don't want to fall in the trap where all you're measuring is what matters to you and you want to keep track of like you know uh, of what uh, uh, what's the state of things for the end users right you don't want to look for your keys under the under the under the lights you want to look for your keys where you lost them right <laughs> have you had any horror stories uh trying to implement uh observability or, or any mistakes that you wish you had had known better uh that's a good it's a good question i think i mean i think there's been a trend in the past five years of letting you send pretty much whatever you want and then set limits on it but i'm pretty sure you can do pretty bad mistakes if you don't set any limits on how much things you ingest or how many you know billing limits because it's you know, it's a very cloud in 2022 things. It's like, let's, let's you set up everything and then send you the bill. And I'm pretty sure you can make some pretty horrible mistakes there, right? If you have like a, you know, a Datadog in particular, you get charged by the number of instance who are running, uh, who are running the agent. Uh, let's say you have a runaway auto-scaling process. <laughs> your, your bill is going to be probably a lot, uh, uh, a, a lot bigger than you'd like, right? Same with logging and stuff. So I, I tend to start and try to put some, like, especially on logging and things, like set some conservative, you know, some conservative limits so that I don't, you know, it's not a blank check uh, to the observability company. Um, I can't think of, but I can't, aside, aside from that, like runaway billing, I can't really think of, it can get expensive. That's another, you know, that's another thing. I think if you like the, 
the drawback of having everything in one place is like it's a little bit like the cloud platforms it makes you a very good job of like oh i want to add this one more thing uh to measure because it's there right why wouldn't i want observability in that and it can it can balloon a little bit like i have to say that there's a couple of things that i enabled first i'm like i don't need that right now i don't need to pay right it's like i think datadog you're like the oldest you can get like we we use Ruby on Rails, right? So you can get like Ruby level, um, what's the word? Uh, tracing, not even tracing, but like you know, you can get like code level performance traces, and that that is not a problem for us right now. We're not at the point, you know, we optimize like API requests. We don't optimize like code level memory allocation. So paying for tracing for that, if it's something that you look at once every nine months, do you really need, you know, do you really need to pay for that peace of mind? So I think that, you know, uh, the, the, the billing there, I think the, um, the challenge like with everything DevOps is as well as like optimizing it for the sake of optimizing it, right? Where you just like, you have this like perfect observability system and then you are, you know, no one's using your application. Uh, so you don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. You don't want, like, that's probably the biggest mistake everyone makes. I don't think there's too many, there's too many foot guns, honestly. Like, the, you know, the most likely outcome is, like, you don't really get good adoption or people don't use it. You want to avoid runaway billing, but it's not, you know, I don't think you can make any crazy mistakes, uh, crazy mistakes there. <laughs> Maybe, it may, like, uh, um, I might be wrong. Like, if someone has some really horrible horror stories, but, you know, um, I think those things are well optimized as well. I haven't seen any like performance impact of doing this. I think like you know that that's some that, that seems like a solved problem and like the the memory footprint of uh, you know having agents or tracing. I think there's a lot of effort that's been spent by those companies to make sure that it you know that observing doesn't affect the performance of what you're observing too much. <laughs> Is there any advice you could give to somebody who's getting ready to embark on this journey of, of implementing observability? How should they start? Um, should they just use a tool? Which, which tool, if you want to make a recommendation, um, should they start in one specific area with logging or with uh, tracing or with, you know, how do you start? I know that's a big question. That, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I would, I would definitely do it earlier than not, like, especially if you have, if you have nothing, I think it's worth like the, you know, I, I'm obviously like, if it wasn't clear, I'm a big data dog, uh, data dog user. And I would, I would uh, happily recommend it. Uh, but I'm sure like, I'm sure like competing platforms have the same thing. I would, I would give it a try. Right. I think it's like, it's one of those, but it's still the experience of getting that full view and, uh, you know, the snappy, the snappy UI with everything in one place is like an order of magnitude more than what's offered by default by the, the cloud platform. So I would like give it a, give it a shot. And like, you you know, if you're like me, you probably won't go back. <laughs> um, I would get started early. I think, you know, as you build a team, it's one of those things that's like, if everyone builds the right reflexes, you know, like, like CICD, it, it's almost becoming like CICD in my opinion, like it's stable stakes. You set it up early, you set the right basis, you know, your entire team knows what to do, how to use it. Uh, and it's just gonna make everyone more productive, honestly, aside from, you know, aside from like the only downside I see is like cost. I spend, I don't spend very much time optimizing it or changing it you just want to keep your cost you know want to keep your cost in touch especially if you're like you know a small company with not not too many resources you don't want to overspend on top of your, your AWS thing but 
I think getting started, getting started is probably the most important. I think as I mentioned, I, I would look to have, if you're already using something like Terraform, I, I would look, you know, there, there may be like little less obvious advice is to look like from the get go, like which part of your setup uh, you want to, you want to use infrastructure as code for. So the very obvious one is like, if you have an install agent, I mean, in this day and age, it's like, no, you probably don't install anything manually on, on a server anyway, but you want to make sure that at least all the agents are part of however you deploy the software, right? So it's like a sidecar or anything. Uh, it should probably be part of your uh, Terraform cloud formation uh, <laughs> setup. If you're not using it, that's a completely different topic, but I do strongly, strongly recommend infrastructure as code if you're getting started. <laughs> uh, but make sure it's good. But I would even push it like one more level. If like if you start setting business critical monitors and thing, you can in the case of Datadog, you can script those with um, with Terraform. If Terraform or whatever is not available for the stack, you can probably look at ways where you can write a tiny script that use the API to like make sure the alert is created. Like for business critical thing, I think that's super important because those, you know, click and set up things can be can be finicky. You can delete things by mistake and then one day, you know, your mission critical alerts is not there or is not is not monitoring what you expect it to monitor. So yeah. Maybe the like if there's one non-obvious non-obvious advice there, like look at look at scripting your your very critical very critical part of observability. Good advice. Yes, great. Is there anything that I or our audience should ask you that I haven't yet? <laughs> um, no, but I think we've we've done quite around. You know, we've gone quite around the the loop there. I think I, I'm realizing that most of it. You know, most of what I have to say is like the. The technical challenge is obviously only a small part of the the thing, right? It's like yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. if uh, it's probably a joke there about like if you know if you're if a tree falls in the forest, it's recording on your observability platform, but no one looks at it. You know, did it really make a sound? <laughs> <laughs> so you want to make sure that you know people know how to use it, and you're not like you know, it's not the the domain of one expert who knows where to look at. I think like democratizing and shifting that left in your company is probably, it's probably going to take you more time <laughs> than all the rest combined, but it's probably where, you know, where, where a lot of the benefit is, right. It's like making sure that everyone knows how to debug their own application. And, you know, I mean, it's the extension of like the DevOps, you know, the DevOps efforts, right. It's like, you want to make sure like, it's not the domain of like one person, but everyone cares about it. Everyone knows how to monitor the application. So think about like, if you're going to implement it, are you going to teach people how to use it? Are you going to make sure that it's part of the, that it's part of the, the quiver of tools that every developer on your team is going to be able to use it? Like, you know, probably underinvested when you when you think about it as an engineer, but it ends up being very critical. So, well, Paul, how can if people are interested in reaching out, if they have questions after listening, um, are you available for, uh, for contact? How can I get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. I have a I have a Twitter account that I use mostly for tweeting. I don't post very much anything, but I can be contacted on there. It's uh, Paul Coffinet or Cotonet, my last name. Um, that's pretty much it. Or you can find me on GitHub, uh, same same place. Uh, probably my contact information in there. So feel free to reach out if you you know 
uh, one call I make if like if you're interested, like I made the, the, the shift from my company to the current one uh, was essentially to work on uh, the software engineer on the climate problems that we are facing. So if you're interested in making that transition, I'm also very happy to talk about the topic. <laughs> do you have any openings right now? or, or do you Yeah, we have uh, yeah. a lot of openings for software engineers uh, distributed in the U.S. Uh, for now, so U.S. time zones, but uh, any locations in the U.S. And what URL if people are interested in looking uh, for Yeah, that? that would be patch.io. Uh, very simple. Not patch.com. That's an old like uh, social network thing, but patch.io. <laughs> okay. Simple to remember. Exactly. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. I hope that uh, some of our listeners are inspired to uh, take, the, uh, t take on the challenge uh, and the reward of observability after doing this. After yeah, this, so. I wish you. And again, like, any questions or any tips, like, feel free to reach out. Wonderful. Thanks. And until next time, uh, talk to you later. Thank you very much.